Welcome to the Ambassadors for Christ Outreach Ministries podcast. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. As we rest our feet all over this house, we want to look at 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 1 through 4. 1 Kings chapter 17. Verses 1 through 4. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Amen, amen. And it reads like this. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I want to talk about the very last word in that scripture, the word there coming from the theme, a place called there. A place called there. You may take your seats. The first half of 1 Kings traces the life of Solomon. Under his leadership, Israel rises to the peak of her size and glory. Solomon's great accomplishments, including the unsurpassed splendor of the temple which he constructs in Jerusalem brings him worldwide fame and respect. However, Solomon's zeal for God diminishes in his later years as pagan wives turn his heart away from the worship in the temple of God. As a result, the king with the divided heart leaves behind a divided kingdom. For the next century or so, the book of 1 Kings traces the twin histories of two sets of kings and two nations of disobedient people who are growing indifferent to God's prophets and precepts. Upon Solomon's death, God's words came to pass. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, chooses the foolish course of promising more severe taxation. Now Jeroboam, an officer in Solomon's army, leads the ten northern tribes into revolt. They make him their king, leaving only Judah and Benjamin in the south under Rehoboam. This is the beginning of a very chaotic period with the two nations and two sets of kings. This brings us through the history up until the reign of King Ahab. Ahab brings a measure of uh, cooperation between the northern and southern kingdoms. But he reaches new depths of wickedness as a king. He is the man who is introduced to Jezebel's Baal worship to Israel. The prophet Elijah ministers during this low period in Israel's history, providing a ray of light and witness of the word and power of our Lord and our our God. As we set out on this quest to discover the amazing works of God in Elijah's life, 
we fall upon the 17th chapter of 1 Kings. Now Elijah, a prophet, informs or warns Ahab of what is to come in verse 1. Somehow, out of nowhere, if you look at the scripture, everything around it, God wedges Elijah into the scripture. If you study the word, it, there is no list of lineage for Elijah prior to verse 1. There is no immediate title of prophet even given to Elijah uh, to let us know who he is or how close of a relationship he has with God. However, God interrupts this broadcast to bring breaking news by way of Elijah the Tishbite. Elijah informs Ahab the king that a drought is on the way. As I begin to read this, I, I was instantly reminded of a lesson I learned back in Bible class some years ago in my youth as we were discussing the thought of our identity belonging to God and our residence is in heaven. Yeah. Now verse 2 and verse 3 of this scripture proves that Elijah is an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Now to me, this this ideology of being an ambassador is one of the most profound lessons taught in the Christian church. Yeah. It has become the very essence of our ministry, yeah. for we are ambassadors for Christ. If you study this thought, you would recognize that ambassadors are sent from one country to live in another. No matter the current state of the country that they're in, the ambassador is not affected by the turmoil. His, his resources and provisions are given to him by his home country. So when we hear the thought that our residence is in heaven, we ought to be reminded, we ought to get excited and be reminded of where our provisions come from. Even though God sent Elijah to prophesy to Ahab about the drought, if you read further down, he did not allow Elijah the prophet to be immediately affected by his own prophecy. God had already set up a Mills on Wheels program for Elijah in the midst of a drought. When the people of God truly grasp this concept, this thought of ambassadorship, we will become so powerful and influential that sinners will be inspired. Yeah. Yes, sir. So God gives Elijah the prophet strict instructions uh -huh. to follow in order to gain access to guaranteed provisions. Right. Verse 3 says, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Somebody say go. Before indulging in the meat of this message on this afternoon, we learn in the, uh, uh, the importance uh, of the important lesson in the scripture. When God gives instructions, we've got to move. Yes, Too often do we allow ourselves to be indulged in the world's problems that we forget to follow God's instructions. Some of us are in the situation that we're in right now because we refuse to follow the instructions of God. For some, it may be your marriage. For others, it may be that job you own. For, for others, it might be that house. For others, it may be that educational path. No matter 
the circumstance, you have got to follow God's instructions. Tap your neighbor and say, follow instructions. Now let's think about this word there. Somebody say there. T-H-E-R-E. Such a vague word to describe the God-ordained places in our lives. Most of us miss the mark in life and never make it there because we are not willing to give up or leave this. And God has sent prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher, evangelist after evangelist to tell you that this is about to dry up and die. But because you are comfortable and because it feels good, you forfeit your there experience. God told some of us that this job is not for us, but because we are worried about being unemployed, uh, uh, you never go go after the job that God has for you there. And now 15 years later, you find yourself sitting over in your cubicle singing the I coulda, woulda, shouldas. God never intended for some of us to marry the people we marry. But because you didn't want to be lonely in this thing called life, you settled for this man or woman and your God-given king or queen was over there. Some of us ignored God's instructions when we were going to school and God never intended for us or for you to be a doctor as glorious as this position sounds. But because you wanted this, you missed out on your purpose in life and you look up 10 years later, still haven't finished school and you are an educated fool. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, your blessing is over there. There are at least four attributes that helps us understand the experience that the prophet Elijah had there. Yes, I pray that by the end of this message on this afternoon that some of us is encouraged to leave where you are and go where God has already ordained yes, you to be. Yes, so we, we read verse 4. And it says to us very loudly, it says, and it shall be. Somebody say, shall be. Shall be. That thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Uh The first thing that we discover is that there is a place of closeness. We learn this by visiting with Jeremiah at the potter's house. For Jeremiah 18, 1 and 2 says, The Lord which came to Jeremiah... Uh, uh, the word which came from Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there, the Bible says, I will cause thee to hear my words. God needed Jeremiah to experience the potter molding the clay in order for him to understand our need to be close with God. God understands and knows our expected end. Yes, sir. He, as we read uh, with Jeremiah, uh, with Elijah, he has already established provision for us 
to make it while others are perishing. That ought to get a few people excited in the house. While you think you're going through what you're going through, and it seems like it's hard, and it seems like you want to give up, you ought to look around you and realize there's some people that are going through way worse than what you're going through. God understands that the only way to get close to some of us is to get us by ourselves. God desires to have one-on-one -on -one time with his children. How many of us in the room take a moment out of our week to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God? The relationship between the potter and the clay, read the scripture, is inseparable. Watch this. The potter understands that the clay would spin out of control and all over the place if he takes his hands off of it. God knows that Likewise, if he took his hands off of our life, yes, we would spin out of control and destroy everything in our path. So God keeps his hands on you, yes, the clay. Yes, you sitting here wondering why your son and daughter didn't get killed with the rest of their friends. It's because God has his hands on them. You wonder why the economy has not affected your finances and your household because God has his hands around you. You can't figure out how others are sick and dying from sicknesses that you've been blessed to live with. It is because God has his hands around your life. Somebody have out your neighbor say, God has his hands on me. Like David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? The most important part of the scripture, because the Lord is with me. The other half, if you look at the scripture in Jeremiah, the other half of the potter experience is that the clay understands that I must become what the potter wants me to be. The clay does not know the expected end. You don't know the outcome. But it understands that the only way to become complete is to stay in the master's hands. Too often we're disobedient to the word of God, spinning out of control, making a mess of everything in our life. Somebody ought to look at your neighbor. You're going to help me preach this one on this afternoon. Holler at him and say, stay close to the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. God is trying to mold some of us into vessels, but we want to be bold. You see, vessels are created to support growth. Bowls are not. Have you ever tried to grow a plant in a cereal bowl? My Lord. It's difficult because there is no upward support in a bowl. Vessels are narrow and a, a flower can grow upright and strong as it needs to be. Elijah was sent to a place where there was only him and God. So there is a place of closeness. Secondly, we realize that, that there is a place of Humbleness. Somebody say humbleness. Humbleness. This derives from the experience of Naaman. Uh -huh. 
in the muddy rivers of Jordan. Yes, sir. For in 2 Kings chapter 5 and 12 through 14 it says, Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? This yeah. is Naaman talking. May I not wash in them uh -huh. and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage, the scripture says. Uh -huh. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And the Bible says, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, yeah. and he was clean. Yes, so often do we react like Naaman. You see, Naaman needed to be healed, but he didn't want to be humble or to humble himself in order to get what he needed. Elisha, the predecessor of Elijah, told Naaman, a captain of the king of Syria, Naaman had high position in ranking to dip himself uh, in the Jordan and he would be healed. But because Naaman was a captain, for the king of the land, he thought that he was above God's prophecy. Yeah. Naaman knew that the Jordan was muddy and filthy. Yeah. And in his mind, he figured that God had made a mistake in his message. <laughs> That's why he asks in the scripture, aren't there any other cleaner rivers than this? God's intentions were to make Naaman submissive yes. to his will. Yes, Doesn't this sound like the people of God? Yes, God tells us to pick up someone on the way to church, something very simple like that. And we say, I don't want them in my car. Can I just pay for an Uber to have them picked up? Somebody say, obedience is better than sacrifice. There, there, T-H-E-R. E-R-E can sometimes be a place where God intends to make you humble. It's not enough for God to bless you and give you favor if you then forget about all that he's done for you. Too often we take credit for the works of the hands of God on our lives. Some of us here today can't grow spiritually because we won't give up our attitude of boastfulness. God has called so many of us to be pillars in our communities, but because we have a little more money and a little more stature than our neighbor and a better job, and we we got a little money in the bank, we look down on the less fortunate and the homeless, and the reality is that we are all one life a bit away from poverty, one life a bit away from standing on the side of the road shaking a cup. Somebody say, you got to be humble. It amazes me how people can get an education and look down on others who didn't as if they have arrived. Humbleness. The reality is that your degree or your level of education does not solidify your place in ultimate prosperity. God does that. 
Some of the most richest people in the world have dropped out of college. Yes. God require us, requires us to remain humble and be mindful of his works. Yeah. So not only is there a place of closeness, not only is there a place of humbleness, thirdly, we'll recognize that there is a place where God dwells. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be nowhere where God's presence is not. Elijah in the scripture understood that if I follow the instructions given to me by God and take advantage of the promises and provisions of God, I will dwell in his presence. Second Corinthians 3 and 17 states it says this, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This gives us another reason to be excited about our their experience. If where I am represents a drought according to the scripture, no growth, then why would I hesitate to go where God is? There is a place of life and vitality. There is a place where you will see God. We see this in, with Moses in Exodus 33, 21 through 33. It says, and the Lord said, behold, here's that word again. There is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And the scripture says, and I will take away my hand, the Lord says, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. For Moses, there, that place there, that experience allowed him to witness something that others wish they could have seen. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be in a place where we actually see God in front of us? Most people, I don't know too many people outside of Moses, uh, uh, don't experience this in the deepest of worship experiences. Could you imagine for a second feeling God as he walks past you? I don't know about you, but I long for the day when I can just feel the wind of God brushing past me. Being able to experience his glory in the most intimate of ways. And I don't want to wait until I die and go to heaven to experience it. If Elijah and Moses can experience it, I know that the people of God today can. We have to be willing to go there whenever God tells us to because there has got to be much better than this. Lastly, we look at the scripture and we realize, we discover that there is a place of nourishment. Verse 5 and 6 of verse King says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And watch this, as God said, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning 
and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. This describes the provisions of God in the lives of his people. Let's not forget that the prophecy said that there would be a drought in the land and God did not allow for his servant, his prophet, his messenger to be affected by the drought. God gives Elijah a personal stream of water and had ravens, birds, crazy old species to bring him meat and bread for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Even in the darkest of times, God will provide nourishment yeah. for his people. Yeah. I believe that people will have the power of God through our ministry. Yeah. I believe that this place will become a healing station for the world. Miracle signs and wonders will occur in this house and lives will be transformed for the better. This sanctuary, I decree and declare, will be a complete example of a their experience. No matter what's going on on the outside of these walls, there is safety in this sanctuary. No matter how poor the neighborhood is or it becomes, there remains here God's riches. We should be excited about our ministry because there is the presence of God's nourishment for his people. We can also take a moment and study the book of Genesis chapter 45, 10 and 11. This talks about Joseph's father and brothers in the land of Goshen. The scripture says, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt near be near unto me. Thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flock and thy herds and all that thou hast. And watch, here comes this word again. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Immediately we see that God sends Joseph's fathers and brothers to a place where they will be provided with nourishment. The word nourish means to sustain, to support, to hold, to supply, and to feed. God will never allow his people to struggle with the needs of life. God not only promises nourishment for Joseph's family, but also his generations to come. God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I urge each and every one of you sitting in your seat on this afternoon that when God tells you to go there, you need to move because just as he did for the many men and women in the Bible, he will do it just for you. We will discover that there is a place of obedience. There is a place of preparation. There is a place 
of provisions. There is a place of peace. There is a place of restoration. There is a place of comfort. There is a place of support. No matter the circumstance, no matter the trial or the tribulation, no matter the storm that is raging in your life, God will call you to a place that his presence can be found. There is love over there. There is joy over there. There is peace over there. There's healing for your soul over there. There is mercy over there. There is favor for God's people over there. There is sunshine over there. There is prosperity over there. God's power is over there. There is happiness over there. There's a smile over there. There is rest for the weary over there. There is safety from the enemy over there. There is direction for the lost over there. There is nourishment over there. There is compassion over there. The answer to your question is over there. There are better days for the people of God over there. There are protection from the enemy over there. Somebody ought to shake your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know where you are, but I'm going to where God is.
now. Somebody ought to give God a shout up in this place. all over this house. God has an end result for you. God has a place of protection for you. And while other people are going through, God is going to let his favor and his mercy fall on your life. No matter how disobedient you've been, no matter how dirty and raggedy you think you are, God says, I love you just enough to forgive you of all of your sins, to look away from everything that you've done that's not like me, and I'm bringing you to a place where me and you can have some alone time, where me and you can talk, where me and you can get to know each other. Anybody want to be in God's presence, you ought to lift your hands all over this house and just begin to declare that God, I'm moving. No matter what you say, God, I'm moving. I'm following your direction, God. I'm moving because you told me to go. I'm moving because you told me that if I move, you'd be with me. I'm moving, God, right now in every aspect of my life. And I'm moving to where you want me to be. Because I understand that it's just going to be me and you, God. Me and you in some alone time. I'm going to be able to worship you all by myself. I'm going to be able to talk to you all by myself. I won't need the choir. I won't need the musicians. I won't need the preacher. I'm going to where you are so that I can have some time with you, God. Come on, somebody. ought to lift your hands all over this house and say, God, I'm coming to where you are. We bring everything to you, God. Because we understand that you can bring us out. We hope that this message has blessed you and can carry you through your week. For more information, visit www.afcoutreach.com.